Welcome to the broadcast of Riverside Church in Princeton, North Carolina. Riverside Church preaching Christ and Him crucified. For more information, check out our website at www.riversidefwb.com. Open your Bible, turn to the book of Luke chapter, chapter number six this morning. This morning, uh, I want to remind you as you're reaching for your Bible that you need to have a copy of God's holy word there in your lap or in your hands as we go along because we choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. It reports supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of prophecy. It's divine, not human in origin. We hear at the river believe in sola scriptura, a Latin phrase that means the Bible and the Bible alone. We just want the Bible. Don't give us the phone book. Don't give us the, 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 the Declaration of Independence. That's a good thing. I know it's the July 4th weekend, but that's good. I like that. But I don't hear my life and I don't hinge everything, my existence, my identity on that. Uh, just the scriptures and the scriptures alone. If you have a high regard of the Bible, you have a high regard of God. Also, we believe in sola fide, a Latin phrase. That means faith and faith alone, confidence and trust in something. I know your, your money, many people trust money, but on that money, it might be written in God we trust. Let that be your, your soul song. Let it be true of you that you have faith and trust in something or really a someone. And that's sola Christus, a Latin phrase. That means Jesus alone, just Jesus. I trust Jesus and him alone. We also believe in sola gracia, a Latin phrase. That means grace and grace. So simply amazing grace. It's only grace. That's the only reason any of us get to go to heaven is because of grace alone. When we believe grace alone, we don't have time to judge anybody else. Grace and grace alone. We also believe in sole deo gloria, a Latin phrase that means for God alone receives the glory. He alone receives. Even the good, He receives the glory no matter if we're on the mountaintop or if the mountain's on top of us. God alone receives the glory. Now I don't know what valley you might be facing, what troubles are in your way, what hurricane is beating on your house, or what trouble is coming through the doors or the windows. God will receive glory, the good and the bad. He alone is worthy to be praised. Amen, somebody. If you would, open up to Luke chapter number 6 this morning. we got to gird our loins is what the Bible says. And that means pull up your sleeves and get ready to go to work. As we look in uh, Luke chapter number 6, well, the last time we were together, we saw where Jesus ministers to the great multitude. He's there at a level place. We understand that we also have over in the book of Matthew, the Beatitudes, also the Sermon on the Mount. But he's preaching on the plain here. Some theologians have decided and and quarreled over the years that this is probably the same sermon as the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5, 6, 7, and 8. However, it's very possible it probably is the same sermon. However, it's possible too that he, he preached the same sermon in different locations. Either way, it's in our Bible and it, it does us good to look at it. As we look in verse number 20, we see in chapter number 6, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said in verse number 20, he's preaching to his disciples. If you are a disciple today, then you could be a fan of Jesus. You can be somebody who cheers for Jesus, rah, 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 but you ain't one who's following Jesus. Amen. 
We, we all have, well, we're fans of NASCAR. We might have our favorite ball team. Might be fans of certain things. We, we might have uh, different things that we cheer about, but we don't live our lives hinged on everything in that existence. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, and he tells them, you are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Notice he calls them blessed. We talked about that last, last time we were together. That blessed and happy aren't exactly the same. In fact, they're not even in the same ballpark. Blessed means living in the face of God under the understanding that the presence of God is in your life. That his face shines upon you as we read in the book of Numbers chapter 4 verse 24 through 26. When Aaron tells us, blessed are you in the field, blessed are you in the city, blessed are you with your children. He says, blessed. That means in right standing with God. Truly today, no matter if you drove to here in a hoopty or a BMW or you scooted in here on a skateboard, you are blessed before God if you're in right standing with God. It doesn't matter your, show, your social status. It doesn't matter the labels in your clothes this morning. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your tax bracket. It doesn't matter if your body is riddled with sickness or you're walking in health. If you are blessed today, you are in good standing with God. That's what blessed means. On America, American dream, we all want the we all want the big house on the hill with a picket fence, with a nice car and a nice job, a nice spouse. The American dream has hijacked many many Christians' faith, and they believe that if they don't have those things and they're not happy, if they're not happy, then God is bad and they're bad, and this whole thing is, should be thrown out the window. So many times people stand in the pulpit, pulpit and they smile and try to tell you that every day is a Friday, that life is full of burritos and unicorns. And, and, and whatever life is not full of burritos and unicorns, you get upset with God and you shake your fist at God and deny He's trustworthy because the, the false prophet told you those things. But I'm telling you here because you need to hear it. There will be days when you walk through the valley. There will be days when you can't even look up to see the valley because you're in the pit. Your heart is broken. You've been betrayed. Your body is riddled with sickness. But God is still on the throne and God is still good. Even when life is not. I'm preaching better already than you're acting. God is faithful. God is good. I can trust in Him even when I don't trust the situation. Even when I don't trust anybody and everybody around me, I trust Him. When I don't trust the economy, when I don't trust the leadership, when I don't trust what's going on, I can trust Him. You, you just needed to hear that this morning. Amen. That's called being blessed. Church, you are blessed this morning because you are in right standing with God. Notice I'm only talking to the disciples. There's the saints and there's the ain'ts. Which one is you this morning? You're His. Or there are those that are somebody else's. You belong to the world system, the culture. You find your identity in your, your kin, where you come from, your last name. You find your identity on your job. You find your identity in what you do. But those who are His, He will not deny he will not walk away from. He will not give up. Oh, he pursues. Back when my children were much younger, we read the Jesus, Jesus storybook. It was basically the Bible. And it talked about the steadfast love of Jesus. 
And what that means to put it under, on the, put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can understand, even somebody like me, is a, a steadfast love means never stopping, always pursuing, never giving up, always going after type of love. And that's the kind of love I need. Amen. Because I don't pursue. I don't keep going. I always find myself giving up. I always stumble and fall and don't want to get up. And He will never give up on His people because we are blessed. Amen. Blessed. Blessed are you who are poor. That means I have no credit with God. I am not one who has a, a surplus of righteousness to my account. I'm one who is a sinner. That's the only thing I bring to the, to the conversation with God is my sin that makes salvation necessary. The bankrupt before God spiritually. That's us, church. Blessed are we, the poor in spirit. For yours is the kingdom of God. That's enough to make us to shut our Bibles and moonwalk on out of here and be glad because God's mercy is upon us. We are poor before Him, but He shows grace towards us. Amen. Somebody, I, bet, I bet this morning if uh, you had a car note and I just walked up and said, hey, I'm going to pay your car note off, you probably shout. You probably do cartwheels, might break your wrist, but you, you'd be excited. That somebody paid off your car. Woo! That hoop is mine now. All right, it's a 1987, but I don't own nothing on it. You get a little excited about it because your car's paid off. That's a temporal thing. That's temporary. Your debt before God. Ha <laughs> ha, bro, that's good to me. Your debt before God. You owe God because of your unrighteousness and your faithlessness has been paid off. You are free, clear, and clean before God. Amen. Don't nobody do no cartwheel. Miss Connie, sit down. It don't, don't nobody jump up and do a cartwheel. We don't do that here. But praise God. Praise God that I'm blessed before Him. I'm forgiven for If you knew my debts, maybe that's why some of you got tears in your eyes. Because you know your dirt. You know what you've done. But He still blesses you in spite of you. Amen. Can we just can we take, take a moment here? Just take a time out. I'm blessed before God in spite of me. I'm poor in spirit. And He tells me the kingdom of God is mine. Then we, and if it can't get any better, it does. Let's continue. In verse 21, He says, blessed again. He's talking to His disciples. Listen to me, Christian, who's following God, who serves Him, who is running after righteousness and holiness, who's trying to put to death the things that reign over them. He says, blessed are you who are hungry now. Now, I know some of y'all probably skipped breakfast. You didn't eat your Fruit Loops and Fruity Pebbles this morning. You didn't eat an Eggo. You didn't stop by McDonald's and get you one of them uh, McMuffins. I know. And me talking about it is making your belly hurt a little bit more. But that's not what he's talking about here. He says, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for your, you shall be satisfied. Now we can read in the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, he, he tells us in the same sermon with a le little less detail. It's, it's, a, it's a writing style. It's, it's kind of like saying, oh, he ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer. You ain't saying they're dumb, but you ain't implied it. You let them, they wouldn't even know anyway because they're dumb. But you, you say they ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer. What Jesus is saying here, those who are hungry now. Well, what does that mean? What's it mean, hungry now? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, that he says there, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
He's implying that those who are not satisfied here, that there's something greater. That's why, that's why our whole economic uh, uh, pyramid is built on, is people not being satisfied. Oh, you got the new phone? Well, this is the newer phone. It's, it's a little extra shiny. Oh, I ain't satisfied. And and we feed into that marketing. Well, it's also the depravity of our heart. We're never satisfied with anything that this world has to offer. It's never fulfilling. It's never good enough. Our hearts are depraved and wicked. And we're always looking for the next best thing. Well, I'm not happy with this. I know I prayed for this. But I'm not happy with it now that I got it. That's how fallen our hearts are. We prayed so hard for that good job. Now we got the job and we got to get up at 4 a.m. to go to the job. Oh, praise God. You ain't really praying to God. You're, you're saying a lot of words with God's name in it. As you're going to the job, and you're mad about the job because you got to deal with that co-worker. And now you're complaining to God. Why did you give me this job? Well, you prayed for it. Because we're not satisfied. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus tells us, To seek ye first the kingdom of God. That means how can I glorify your name today? How can I extol you and magnify you? Seeking you first. When you seek the kingdom first, you don't look at the balance sheet first. How much is it going to cost? What's the bottom line? How much is it going to cost me to do this for Jesus? How much is it going to cost me? How much of my free time am I giving up to read my Bible? Okay. How much? Do, how many TV shows am I going to miss if I read my Bible to my family instead of just letting my brain rot watching the television? How, how is this going to cost me physically if I actually labor for unto the Lord? I, I, I can outsource. I can let the preacher do it. I can let, I can let somebody else do it because my time is very valuable, you see. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God. First after righteousness and holiness. Now, that's the problem. In verse 20, 21, he says, Blessed are you who hunger now. She, you shall be satisfied. There are those who are not hungry for righteousness. There are those who are not thirsting after holiness. They're just not. Otherwise, they'd be here this morning. I know it's a holiday weekend. Okay. Okay, what did you want here last week or the week before? Oh. They're just not... Hungering and thirst, thirsting for righteousness. I want to let you know, church, that whatever you feed and crave, whatever you feed is what you'll crave. If you, if you crave alcohol, it's because you feed it. If you crave gossip, drama, things that are unfitting and unholy, if you crave them, it's because you're feeding them. That's not true, preacher. I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I don't want to be reigned over this. I understand. That's the key. You're struggling over it. You're fighting it. You're not letting it reign over you. Even Paul, an apostle, listen to me, an apostle who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And Romans 7, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am. He understood that he's a sinner. And he's fighting sin. He says... What hope is there for me? And he answers his own question. He says, Jesus Christ. Are you feeding on Christ? Are you feeding on His Word? Are you coming to the good and faithful shepherd with your issues? And you're just just saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm struggling with this. But in my struggle, I come to you. 
So many people with their struggles say, well, I better stay away from Jesus because He only expects perfect people. People who never have any temptation. People who never struggle. That's not true at all. He tells those who are heavy laden, those who are yoked, who are sick in their body, come to Him. Those who are thirsty, come and drink of Him. He invites the weak and the feeble to Him. I'm not good enough to go to church. Welcome to the family. We got a special parking spot right outside, right next to the preacher. For those who are unworthy. He says, Blessed. Blessed are you who are hungry. I long for you and I long for your righteousness. I long for your holiness. Blessed are you because you're longing for those things. Much like Lot, as we read in the book of Genesis, as he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, it says that his heart was heavy about the culture and the things that went, to, that took down, took, went down there. We also read that in the book of Hebrews, that Lot was heavy laden in his heart as he was in a filthy culture that magnified pride and wickedness. We know that pride is what comes before fall. So we see that Jesus says, Blessed are you who hunger. But let's look a little more at the book of Psalm. If you would keep your finger here in Luke chapter number 6. Turn to Psalm 41. Psalm 41. No, Psalm 42. Excuse me, sorry. Preacher makes mistakes. Who knew? Psalm 42. Psalm 42, verse number 1. David writes in Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. I want you to know, I, I memorize it in King James, and it's much more beautiful. As the steer pants before the water, so my soul longs for you. Verse 2 says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? That there should be a longing in the Christian's heart. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning you're struggling with your longing. It might be because you're satisfied with something else other than God. Maybe you're satisfied with pornography. Maybe you're satisfied with gossip. Maybe you're satisfied with illicit relationships. Maybe you're satisfied with anger. And you ain't longing after God. I know this ain't no pat on the back kind of sermon where everybody's going to yelp and holler and say, Amen, preacher, because this is personal. Really, I'm preaching to the preacher this morning that I should thirst and hunger for righteousness. And my busy schedule It's not that I'm busy. It's what I deem worthy. What's worth my time? Is it worth my time to just sit on my phone and scroll? Is it worth my time to sit with my children and have conversations? Is it worth my time to, to actually be engaged in my household? Is it worth my time to read my Bible or not read my Bible? You get 24 hours a day just like everybody else. And the thing you feed is the thing you will crave. If you want holy habits... If you want to extol the name of God, if you want to lift up the name of God and have a life that's righteous and good, feed into those things. Discipline your body and your mind and your heart to serve Him and Him only. Have you given up your facilities to unrighteousness and holiness? Have you entertained filthy thoughts? Do you feed into wicked things that make your sin crave even more, 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 much like a consuming fire? 
Do you feed that fire with wickedness and unrighteousness? Well, you say, preacher, I can't help myself. I understand. That's what the Bible says. That we are dry, dead bones. That we cannot help ourselves. You know the phrase, God helps them who helps themselves, is not in your Bible. God helps them who can't help, help themselves. Amen. This is the part where I kick your feet out from under you and saying you are helpless in your situation. You cannot do anything. But if there's an inkling in your heart and conviction on your soul and mind right now, God, help me, a wretched sinner that I am. Help me. The preacher is making me desperate here because I can't will myself to do good. I don't even really want to do good, but I know if I do good, you'll bless me and you'll keep me. So here I am, God, stuck between death, hell, and the grave. And if you don't intervene, I'm ruined and I'm damned. So help me, God. So help me. I pour myself out before you. Save a wretch like me. He is the only one who can save you. Your preacher can't help you. Your deacons can't help you. We can't cover up your sins any longer. Oh, you might be good at growing, sowing fig leaves and hiding your faults and failures, but before God, He sees them. And you probably will fall in, pu- you'll fall in public soon, but you fall in private a lot sooner before you fall in public. So this morning, I'm asking you, do you thirst? Do you pursue righteousness? Do you want Christ above any and everything else? Preacher, this ain't a very, a very patriotic sermon. Well, July 4th is tomorrow. Okay, we got a third today. Do you thirst and long for holiness? Do you read your Bible every single day? What do you mean every day? Every, I know I'm a Christian, but I ain't that kind of Christian. Well, that's the kind of Christian that gets to heaven. Amen, somebody. Read your Bible every day. The whole Bible? No, I didn't say the whole Bible. If you've got to read one verse and meditate on that, chew on that all day until you get the meaning down into your very essence and your DNA of your soul. Do that. Hunger and thirst for holiness and righteousness. What does he say here? That we aren't satisfied with the things of this world. Until you learn to the hollowness and the, and, and, and the fakeness of everything in this world, only then you will know the fullness and the satisfactory of Jesus Christ. Sin promises you so much pleasure. But then again, pleasure is not joy. Pleasure is fleeting. It lasts for a little while. Maybe you'll get high off of it. Maybe your eyes will flutter. That piece of beautiful gossip hits your eardrum and those endorphins rush and you smile because you got that juicy gossip and you can't, call, you can't wait to tell Sister Snotgrass that they got an alcohol problem over here. You can't wait. I can't wait to tell them. Because sin promises pleasure. But the book of James tells me when sin is fully developed, it leads into death. The things you crave or the things that you feed. Are you feeding righteousness and holiness? Are you feeding holiness? Being in the image of God. Honoring God. Using my facets for His glory. And when we do that, He says, you shall be satisfied. Finally, I'll be satisfied. Christian, I'm going to finish up here, I promise. But you need to hear this last part. Christian, when you sin, what you're really doing is saying, here's my joy. You can have it. When you sin, you're saying, here's my peace. 
You can have it. I'll trade you. There was a time when my children were much younger. And they would have a dime. I said, I'll trade you this nickel for that dime. They don't know the value of money. So I had got a lot of money. I'm just, no, I'm scared. But they would look at the size of the dime. The dime's smaller and the nickel's a little bit bigger. Of course, Daddy, I'll trade it. Now they know my trick. They would trade the dime for the nickel. But we're not dealing with nickels and dimes here. We're dealing with our soul and our eternity. We're dealing with our peace. How much would you pay for peace? A piece of cake? Piece of pizza? Oh, oh, a piece of chicken? I'll pay for it. No, peace. When you lay your head down on your pillow at night, knowing that you are blessed and God sees you and He is happy with you and His mercy is on you. That's blessed. How much would you pay for that? Well, I'll tithe. That ain't going to pay for it. I attend church quite regularly. That's not going to pay for it. Your performance is not pay for it. What would you give for peace? Would you get up, give up that venom? Or that little pet snake you keep in your front pocket that sinks his fangs into your soul and fills you with wrath, anger? Would you give that up? Would you give up that unforgiveness for peace? Will you? Will you give up the wrath of God for peace and mercy? Will you? Now we understand that when sin walks in, it's covered and it's, it's called covered with everything that you like. It's real shiny. It's got leather and lace on it. And, and it sounds like the music to your ears. But if you really saw it for what it was, death, hell, and wrath, you say, I don't want that. I can't sin before my God. And I can't make Him unpleased with me. I must labor to bring glory to His name. I must thirst for righteousness and holiness. Give me that that I'll be satisfied in you. Church, let's be after God. Let's pursue Him. And then finally we'll be satisfied because of Him. With that being said, let's bow our heads. Father, I pray this morning that You would satisfy the weary soul. I pray this morning that you would help those that don't have an appetite for holiness.